Hey guys, welcome to our online campus. Whether you're joining us through YouTube or our podcast, we're really glad that you're here today. Let's tune into today's message here at Higher Vision. Enjoy. Yeah, we're so glad you're with us. I want you to stand to your feet. We're going to read our theme verse for this series. It's found in Matthew. Matthew chapter 7. Here's what it says. Let's read it together. Anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it, it is, is wise. Like a person who builds a house on solid rock. Though the rain comes in torrents and the flood waters rise, and the winds beat against that house, it won't collapse because it's built on bedrock. Will you just close your eyes today? I want everyone to close their eyes. Holy Spirit, we acknowledge that you're here in this room. We welcome you. And we say, just allow that spirit, your, your presence, to work its way through the, the, the different places of our life. Lord, we tend to build up walls. Sometimes it's fatigue. Sometimes it's stress. Sometimes it's worry. Sometimes it's fear. Holy Spirit, work past all of those places and get deep into our hearts, get into our minds, so that this seed of the truth of God's Word can be planted there and it could grow. Anoint not just the things I say, but anoint us to receive it. Lord, I submit this message to you. It's yours. And I thank you that today we're going to leave knowing that we have heard from God. Speak, Lord. Say this with me. Say, God, I want to stand firm when everything is shifting around me. In Jesus' name. And everybody shouted. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Man, awesome crowd this morning. We're going to dive into this series. Now, I'm not going to do a review or um, take you back through the last couple weeks other than to say, please go to our website or to the app or to YouTube, look up Higher Vision Church, and I want you to look and, and listen to the messages, message one and message two. We've been learning, using the book of Daniel, how that we can stand when culture begins to shift away from God and His truth and His word, how do we stand strong in that? And we've been learning that we, we need to do that when we're tested, because our, our um, belief system are, uh, are going to be tested and we're going to experience that our, our commitment to God's standards and truth are going to be tested. So how do we do that? How do we stand strong? We learned that there's a couple ways to do it. You can be the angry Christian where you're mad at everybody and against everything, or you can be the appeasing Christian where you don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. You, you don't want to um, go against God's word, but at the same time as God's word antiquated, not for today. So you kind of just say, well, everybody goes to heaven and, and nothing is wrong and grace covers all sin. And, you, and so we become one or the other. And how do we find that place in the middle where the Bible says that Jesus came and we saw his glory and he was full of grace and truth? And so we want to be people who are grace and truth because we want to influence our culture. So today I want to tell a story in the Bible. I want to read through it. And it's a passage that if you grew up in church, how many people grew up in church? Wave at me. All right, if you grew up in church, you probably heard about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and how they were thrown into the fiery furnace. So we're going to read that story today. If you have your Bibles, go to uh, the book of Daniel. Let's read it. I'm going to kind of go through it with you. King Nebuchadnezzar made, and what's the word? Now you're going to notice this word is going to be highlighted. He made an image of gold, 
Now, I, I cut some parts out to try to squeeze it in so we could go a little quicker. And he set it up in the province of Babylon. He then summoned the satraps and all the other provincial officials to come to the dedication of the what? I'm going to tell you, culture has images. goes on. Then, he, then the herald loudly proclaimed, nations and peoples of every language, this is what you are commanded to do. As soon as you hear the, what's the next word? The sound. You must fall down and worship the what? The image. Culture will have an image and culture will have a sound. And if you're not careful, you'll not see it and you'll not hear it because it's put in the benign. It'll find its way into things that we don't think really are that important. It may be a movie that we watch and that movie goes totally against what we believe and mocks God, but we start to, before long, it's just a, it's just a movie, it's just entertainment. And suddenly, if we're not careful, we're listening to the sound, watching the sound, listening to the sound, and if we're not careful, we'll begin to give our attention, focus, and love, and admiration, and time, and energy, and resources to what culture says it's important. Because I want to tell you something. Culture will demand something from you. Whoever does not fall down and worship will immediately be thrown into a blazing furnace. Culture demands your allegiance. goes on to say, Therefore, as soon as they, hear, they heard the sound, all the nations and people of every language fell down and worshipped the image. Now, it just so happened that there were some people there that they were named Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They had come from the nation of Israel that believed in God, that worshipped the one true God. They brought them to Babylon to try to shift them and to, to help them take on a new culture, teach them the language, teach them the, 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 the culture, the, all the things so that they would shift. But they made the decision, we learned it a few weeks ago, that we're going to stay true. We're determined to stay true to what God has said is the foundation and the way we should live. And so they decided we're not going to bow. And so when everyone else bowed, they didn't. They stood firm. Everybody say, stand firm. Stand firm. Well, some people saw it and they didn't like it. And I'm going to tell you, you're going to find that spirit that's still working today. So they go to the king. And this is what they said. There are some Jews whom, have, whom you've set over the affairs of the province of Babylon. So the king had made Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego leaders in the nation. And part of the reason was because before, remember, they wouldn't eat the food from the king's table. They stood true to their faith. And as they did, God gave them influence, gave them favor. He put them in charge. The king did. But now, because they wouldn't do what the king said, because they wouldn't bow to the culture, watch what happens. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they pay no attention to you. They neither serve your gods nor worship the image you've set up. Now watch what happens. Furious with rage, Nebuchadnezzar summoned Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And Nebuchadnezzar said, is this true? Listen, I'm going to give you another chance. If you fall down and worship the image I made, I'm going to give you the second chance. It can be very good. But if you do not worship the image, if you don't believe what I say, if you don't do what I say, if you don't bow to culture, you will be thrown immediately into a blazing furnace. Then what God will be able to rescue you from my hand? I want to tell you it's not obvious, but culture is there creating pressure. 
And I'm going to tell you that culture can get furious. Culture can get loud. Culture can raise, rage. You know, the Bible says that the, the enemy goes around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. I'm going to tell you, culture will rage. We see it in our culture today, don't we? We see it on the news. We see it on social media. There is a rage. There is a fierceness. There is a roar that is being heard. And it's almost like whoever can be the loudest is going to win. And there's different pressures, right? For some of us, it's, it's, you know, it's not heavy pressure, but the pressure's there. How many of you have ever felt that pressure, like you go to lunch and someone, maybe it's a group of people from work, and someone at work decides to say, hey, you guys mind, I want to pray over the meal. And you're in a public restaurant and you feel that little pressure of like, okay, yeah, I know. I'm supposed to thank God for the meal, but everybody's going to look at me. Come on, anybody ever had that little deep down pressure? Come on. Only a some of you, you're just so spiritual. Some of you like... <laughs> So thankful for your food. And then as you're there in that moment, what's the first thing you start like, I hope he's not one of those guys. Come on, you know what I'm talking about. One of those guys that are like, come on, everybody, let's join hands. Like, I like you, man, but don't grab my hand. You know, it's like, let's join hands. And then they're not just going to pray for the food, but they're going to pray for all the nations of the world and all of the missionaries in all the nations of the world with the Holy Ghost hiccups. Dear God, aha, I pray for our food in Jesus' name. Aha. Come on, anybody ever been a little nervous like, oh. Come on, everybody done the head bob prayer? Thank you, Jesus. Amen, and then you're ready to eat. Now, I know it sounds silly, but there's that little pressure, even there. And the pressure, it gets more intense. There's different levels of it. For some of us, that may be the most you've ever experienced of pressure to, to conform to culture and not stand for God. Maybe for you, it's been ladies, you've gone out on a date on a Friday night and there's a pressure. What are you going to do? Because this is what the world does. This is what life is. This is what dating is. Or maybe it's the pressure when you're at the job around the water cooler and someone starts to tell a, an inappropriate joke and what do you do? Do you walk away? Do you smile and go, ha, 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 ha? What, what do you do? People are going to think you're super spiritual if you judge and you don't laugh. What, what do you do? Or the pressure can get all the way to the point where we saw recently, not long ago, where 52 people were lined up on a beach in front of a camera and had their necks cut, their heads cut off because they wouldn't confess Jesus or they wouldn't denounce Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. You realize that in our world today, as much as any time in history, which is crazy that we're in the most technologically advanced, the most democratized, the most educated that we've ever been in history, and there are just as many people dying for Jesus and being martyred for Jesus all around the world as we've ever seen. Because culture demands your loyalty. And the question is, what are you going to do? How are you going to stand? Are you going to stand strong? Are you going to stand firm? Or are you going to bow? And wherever it is, God's calling us to stand. I believe that he wants us to be people who stand. So I want to give you three things about standing firm. Everybody say, stand firm. Stand How do we stand firm in culture? Next week, we're going to talk a little bit about standing in love and finding that middle ground of grace and truth and getting practical with that. This week, we're going to talk about standing firm. So you ready? Point number one, if you're taking notes, write this down. All of our campuses, write this down. Number one, standing firm takes courage. Everybody say that with me. Standing firm takes courage. So let's keep reading the story. Now, Nebuchadnezzar is furious. I'm going to throw you into the fire if you don't bow. Now watch what happens. If we are, here's what they say. If we're thrown into the blazing furnace, the God whom we serve is able to save us. 
He will rescue us from your power, your majesty. I I love that. Notice the, the respect. We serve God. God is able. God will deliver us respectfully. But even if he doesn't, we want to make it clear to you, respectfully, your majesty, that we will never serve your gods or worship the the gold statue that you have set up. Standing firm takes courage. Somebody say the word courage. Courage. It's interesting because when we look at them, you can think just at the front end of the story to go, well, gosh, they just were so courageous. But let me tell you something. Just because they were courageous doesn't mean they weren't afraid. You know they had to be shaken in their boots. I, just this week, I was up with the family in the mountains for a few days, and we were, um, I was out at the barbecue, and I was cooking hamburgers. And, you know, we, what is it with, with barbecues, the way they design them? There's like that place in the back of the grill where you just can't quite reach that burger. Come on, you know what I'm talking about. So you're like going in trying to get it, and I did, and when I did, my finger touched the side of the barbecue, and, and it was like, and you, and you know when you touch it, it's not like you just touch it and you pull away, you hear a And so I'm like trying to get the burger, and so I'm like, and I look, and I've got this big old huge blister on, and I was like, oh, man, and then what do you do? Do you put it under hot water? Do you put it under cold water? Do you put it under butter? Do you put peanut butter on it? What do you do? I don't know. <laughs> None of it works. It still hurts. Come on, you know what I'm talking about. It hurts. I can't imagine just getting stinged on the finger with a little bit of barbecue. What would it be like the thought of being thrown into a raging furnace? You know they had to be afraid. But here's the thing you need to know about courage. Courage is not the absence of fear. Courage is standing firm in spite of your fear. You see, when when I say that standing firm takes courage, what I'm saying is this, is that there are going to be moments where you feel the pressure. There are going to be moments where you feel afraid. But you see, standing firm says that no matter what happens, no matter the situation, no matter what the circumstances, I've made a decision that this is what I'm going to do. If If this requires something of me, I'm going to do it. That's what courage is all about. I love what the scripture says in 1 Corinthians chapter 16 talks about our faith and here's what it says it says be on guard what's it say stand firm in the faith be courageous be strong do everything in love because you see here's the reality is that courage is a choice not a reaction kind of reminds me of a story i've told this story before and if you've heard it just bear with me but um when i first moved to, to Visalia, my parents were there and they were pastoring for a few years there and I was a young kid coming from Michigan and man, we were backwards in Michigan. We lived in the sticks up in the northern part of Michigan. So our clothes were goofy. Come on, anybody remember tough skins? Come on, some of you. Come on, you gotta, I just dated myself. You gotta be, you gotta be mature to remember. Come on, I chose the right word. Come on, anybody remember tough skins from Sears? Come on, anybody remember those? And you had the patch that went on the knee, right? Because you wear through, you put that patch inside there, because if not, you wear through your knees. And, okay, some of you know what I'm talking about. Some of you are like, where is this going? 
So I was a backwards kid, moved into to California where everybody's, you know, wearing cool clothes or whatever. And, and I wanted to be accepted. I wanted to be a part. And, and so I, I, I was there and it was my first, or no, it wasn't the first day, but probably the first week or so at school. And I'm at school. One day we're playing basketball and there's this one kid for some reason, he just did not like me. And I don't know what it was, but one day we were playing basketball. Man, I was on fire. I was all like, phew, I was dropping bombs. And, and so he got mad. And he comes up to me and he grabs me by the chest and he, he's this big kid. His, his name was Keith. And he was like a head taller than me. And he grabs me by the shirt and he throws me backwards. And I, I, I go back and I realize I have this moment. I'm new to school. Am I going to be the kid that everybody picks on? Or am I, I going to be the kid that stands firm and stands up for himself? But then I had the reality of looking at how big he was. I'm like, this isn't even the choice. But then something happened. Something inside of me just rose up, and I don't know what it was. And I find myself rushing back over, and I grab him by the shirt, and I'm like, oh, have you ever tried to throw someone, but you kind of throw yourself back? That's kind of what. So I grab him, and I'm like, I said, knock it off. And I fly back, and he like looks at me like shocked, and everybody looks at me like shocked, like, what are you doing? That's Keith. And he looks at me shocked, kind of like, and I looked at him like, <laughs> and so he walks up to me and he says, what did you say? He said, you better not do that again. I said, you better not do that again. You're going to, you better not do it again. And you know what he does? He grabs me by the shirt and he does it again. He shoves me backwards. I fly backwards. I walk back up to him. He looks me in the face with a smirk. And then I weld up my fist don't do this at home. Don't train your children to do this. And I went, bam, and I punched him right in the face. And I knocked him on the ground. And he got up and I ran. And when he caught me, I punched him again. And I knocked him down again. And he got up and I ran faster. But he quit chasing me. The point I want to make is that sometimes in life, you just have to say, I don't know what the circumstances are. I don't know what the, the end result's going to be. This may actually cause harm. This may be difficult. This may be a challenge. I may pay a consequence. But sometimes I just have to stand firm. I just have to have the courage. Because, you see, courage looks at fear and says, I know you're afraid, but I'm still going to do what I'm supposed to do. That's why firemen, they're trained, right? When everybody runs from the fire, they've worked on their courage because they know that instead of uh, uh, succumbing to their fear, they're going to succumb to the purpose, which is to get the fire out. And I want to encourage you that, listen, courage is not a reaction, it's a choice. And if you live life in your Christian faith only reacting, that's why we talked a few weeks about, about a predecision, right? You predetermine, this is how I'm going to live my life. This is how I'm going to walk my life out. I'm going to follow the word of God. I'm going to build my life on his principles and truths. Listen, if you'll determine that, like a firefighter, if you'll train your heart, if you'll train your spirit to say, God, I've made a decision. I've made up my mind. I will take up my cross. I will follow you. I will stand firm because it takes courage. Come on, somebody shout amen. Now, let me just say, I know some of you, probably like me, have had those moments where you're like, well, what about, what, what if, 
things really go down and I were to have to actually be like those people on the beach and someone said, you deny Christ or we're going to kill you. Could I, could I have the courage to really confess Christ or would I chicken out? How many have ever questioned yourself on that one? There's a bunch of liars in this room. <laughs> Come on, we've all been there, right? Well, and I thought, well, I could do it, I could do it. But how about, I, I just recently read a story about a family that ISIS came in. And when they came in, they didn't take the dad and try to kill him. They took the son and the daughter. And they said, either you deny Christ or we're going to rape your daughter and kill her. And we're going to rape your son and kill him. I mean, no, that gets even a little harder. And, you know, sometimes you think, well, gosh, can I do it, God? Do I have the ability? Listen, here's what's cool. I thought of this idea. You know, when my kids were little, they loved to go to the store. My kids are bigger, and they still love to go to the store. Come on, you know. (laughs) Here's the thing. When they would love to go to the store, they would love to go because they knew that we were going to let them buy something. And usually it had to do with sugar. (laughs) Right? Candy, a soda, Slurpee, whatever, right? Um, they, they love to get, or a toy. They love stuff, right? But here's the deal. When they were little, I never gave them money before they got to the store. Here's why. Because they're going to lose it. Because they probably weren't responsible with it. So here's what I would do. I would give them money when they got to the store. Because when I was with them, I knew what they needed when they needed it. And there's a lot of people that are worried, can I stand up for Christ? Can I do this? Listen, we need to begin to build our lives on Christ's word. We need to begin to train our heart. We need to make pre-decisions. We need to say, God, I'm going to be a person of courage. But you know what? If you're worried, don't be worried. Because listen, when you need it, God will be there. His grace is sufficient. And if you're in a situation where you need strength, where you need wisdom, what did he tell his disciples? Don't worry about what to say. When you stand before the magistrates, the Holy Spirit will be there. He'll give you what you need. So stop living in fear. Start saying, God, I'm going to be courageous and I'm going to stand firm. Come on, somebody say amen. Standing firm takes courage. Let's, Let's write the second one down. Standing firm takes faith. Standing firm takes faith. I love the verse we read a moment ago. It says, be on guard, stand firm in the faith. So we need to stand firm in our faith, be courageous, be strong, do everything in love. Let's go back to our story and let's read what we read a moment ago because there's some insight there. So when the king and Daniel says, listen, um, if you don't bow, you're going to get thrown into a fiery furnace. So here's how they respond. If we're thrown into the blazing furnace... The God whom we serve is able to save us. He will rescue us from your power, your majesty, respectfully. But even if he doesn't, we want to make it clear to you, your majesty, that we will never serve your gods or worship the gold image that you have set up. What I love here is that standing firm takes faith. They had faith, but here's where their faith was. It was faith in God. The problem is there are a lot of people who have faith in God, but their faith is that, well, I'll believe if he can save me from the trial. But when you read this, their faith said, he can save me from the trial, but even if he doesn't, he'll save me in the trial. Real faith doesn't say, save me from the trial. Real faith says, he can save me from the trial, but I also trust him because he can save me in the trial. That's why Paul said, for me to die is Christ, 
or for me to live is Christ, for me to die is gain. You see, as a Christian, it's a win-win. When you have a relationship with Christ, it's a win-win. If I live and God heals me, praise God, it's a win. If I die, he heals me because in heaven there's no sickness, there's no sorrow, there's no pain. I'm spending eternity with Jesus. So Jesus, real faith, says, Lord, I'm going to trust you because I know you can save me from it. But also, I trust you because I know you can save me in it. There's a lot of people that have had family members, myself included. And this, is, this verse right here is one of my favorite verses in the Bible concerning faith. Because these men were... Believers that God was going to save him from, save them from the fire. But they also said, but listen, it doesn't matter. Even if he doesn't, I'm still going to trust him. You know, the Bible says that when you're sick, they pray for the sick, and the prayer of faith will save the sick, and the Lord will raise them up. We know that two or three agree. I mean, there's so many passages that talk about praying for the sick. We prayed for my dad to be healed from cancer. Well, guess what? He was healed from cancer. It wasn't the way we thought it would be. We're hoping for here on earth and get a few more years with him. But a lot of people I've known have given up on their faith because they didn't get healed. The problem with that kind of faith is now, I'm going to get on a soapbox for a minute. The problem with that kind of faith is the, the, confession, the, the faith the confessional movement of, of you know, kind of name and claim it, prosperity gospel uh, is tied into that. There's this underwritten mentality that you and I have the ability to order God around. That God has to do what I told him to do because this says this. And if I say it this way and I have enough faith, and what it does is it turns faith towards us and our ability and how much we have. Now, I believe in claiming every promise. But ultimately, God is in control and he's sovereign. And listen, I'm going to tell you something. He's such an amazing God. He won't just have the ability to save you from it. Sometimes he can save you in it. In fact, sometimes the in it is even greater than the from it. Y'all with me? Shout amen. amen. I love this part of the story because he says, we are never going to bow. Our God is going to save us, your majesty. I love the politeness there. You see, here's the problem. A lot of people, when they think about standing up for God and his truths, they think they're called to stand against things. But listen, we're not standing against something. We're standing for something. And so when it comes to culture, what we don't do is we don't stand against. We don't get the picket sign. We don't get on media. We don't join the crowd. We're not there against things. We're for something. I'm for God. I'm proud of God. I'm proud of Jesus. I'm proud of what he did for me. I'm proud of his word, which is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. I'm not ashamed of the word of God. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ because it is the power of God unto salvation. I'm not ashamed of what God has said in the word. I'm not against you. I'm not against your choices. I'm not against your political party. I am for Jesus. I'm for his truth. And as a church, it's time that the church rises up and says, we're not going to be against things. We're going to be for something that matters. Come on, somebody say amen. Because here's the point. If you don't stand for something, you will fall for anything. And the problem is, is a lot of people are falling for everything because what God has called us to be is to be people who stand for grace and truth. 
that we love God. Let me just show you this last verse and then we'll move on and finish this out. Dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourself fully to the work of God. What that says to me is it says, you're not standing against things. You're standing for God and his work. So stand for something. Stand for something. Let me just say it even better. Stand for someone. And his name is Jesus. And if you stand for Jesus, you won't fall for everything. You'll keep your way. I want to give you the last point. Standing firm takes courage. Standing firm takes faith. And lastly, standing firm inspires others. Standing firm inspires others. Let's go to the passage in Daniel chapter 3. Now, when he didn't do and what they didn't do, when they didn't do what culture said they were supposed to do, watch the response. And, and as you see it, I want you just to think of the culture we live in. And as I say this, I'm not pointing out uh, 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 one political party over the other. I'm not po- pointing out one group over another. To be real honest, unfortunately, it's all of them. You'll see this spirit and culture in all of them. Watch what happens when people disagree. Because we've, we've, we've moved now into a culture where we don't just disagree. It's moved to, if you don't believe the way I do, I hate you and I want to kill you. You're evil. Think about that for a minute. And watch what happens. We see the culture right here. Nebuchadnezzar was, what's the word? Furious. So furious that his face became distorted with rage. I got to tell you, you you look at what's happening in culture, it reminds me of when Jesus went to his hometown and he began to preach the truth and, and they wouldn't listen and they got so mad that they stopped their ears, they threw dust into the earth and they wanted to throw him over a cliff. That spirit of rage and violence, it's in the culture, and I'm I'm telling you, if you're not careful, it'll grab you. Some of you it has on the freeway. Just throw that. So what happens? He commanded that the furnace, and let me just stop right here. I am praying about doing a series on this right here. Because I feel like that 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 the church has lost its voice. And the reason is because we're trying to shout as loud as everybody else. And how do we talk to one another? How do we respect one another? How do we not let unwholesome talk come out of our mouth, as the scripture says? I don't know, I'm praying about it. Pray for me, because if, if I, I feel like the church needs to learn how to talk again. He commanded that the furnace be heated up seven times hotter than usual. Then he ordered some of the strongest men to throw them into the blazing furnace. And because the king had demanded such a hot fire, the flames killed the soldiers as they threw the three men in. Let me pause right there. Do you realize that if you fall to the spirit of violence, it's not just going to infect, affect the people you're trying to hurt. It'll affect the people around you. The people you didn't even intend to hurt. You watch people that fall to the spirit of rage. Suddenly their kids are having problems. Suddenly their relationships are broken in the neighborhood. Suddenly they don't get along with their family anymore. You buy into the culture, you buy into the rage, and you think you're hurting somebody else, but what you're doing is hurting yourself. Come on, somebody say amen. That's not even in my notes. You got that for free. Amen. It's just right there. It's just coming out. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, securely tied, 
fell into the roaring flames. Now watch this. But suddenly, everybody say suddenly. suddenly. Nebuchadnezzar jumped up in amazement and exclaimed to his advisors, oh, you guys, hold on. Didn't we tie up three men and throw them into the furnace? Yes, your majesty, we, we certainly did, they replied. It's like, look, look, Nebuchadnezzar shouted. I see four men walking around in the fire unharmed. They don't have any bandages or any, anything's tying them down anymore. There's a, they, and the fourth looks like a god. Come on, that'll preach, somebody say amen. The fourth was Jesus. Now, what, what does that mean? First of all, for those that are in theology, this is what's called a theophany. And a theophany is when Jesus, who's at the right hand of the Father, basically looks at the Father and says, I know I'm busy up here doing stuff and this is important, but there's some guys in a furnace. I got to go. <laughs> and, and God says, put your fireman's hat on and go for it. And Jesus leaves the Father and he shows up on earth. And we know he did it for three and a half years, but this theophany took place. Here's the point I want to make that's big that everybody misses. Where does Jesus show up? In the middle of the fire. But too many Christians stay away from the fire. Well, I, don't, I, don't wanna, I don't wanna take a stand for Jesus. Maybe you haven't seen Jesus because you haven't taken a stand for Jesus. Because Jesus shows up in the middle of the fire. Preach it, Pastor Jerry. Preach it. Or, or, or the modern version of that is, so good. So good. In the middle of the fire. Let's just get real. Maybe God hasn't shown up in your finances because you've never got in the fire by testing your faith, by giving your tithe and making God first. So you've never seen him show up in the fire. Come on, we can go a lot of ways with that. Because too many times in our culture, we want to do the comfortable. We want to do the easy. We don't want anybody to feel uncomfortable. We don't want to stand up for our faith. We don't want to take a risk. We don't want to step out. But isn't it interesting that God shows up in the fire? But you know what I love about it? Watch what happens. Let's go back to the story for a minute. When he sees that they're in there, can I throw in there, not only does God show up in the fire, but all of their limitations are taken off in the fire. The Bible says they're walking around in the fire. Maybe the greatest version of you is in the fire. Maybe the fastest you is in the fire. Maybe the strongest you is in the fire. Maybe the smartest you is in the fire. But we stay away from the fire. He sees God in the midst of the fire. I believe that God needs to show up. If, we, if the church would, wouldn't be afraid of the fire, man, if we'd just step out in faith, if we'd trust God in faith, if we'd, if we'd stand firm in faith, maybe God would show up in some ways and people would see it. Listen, the world wants to see the fourth man. And he sees that the fire had not touched them. Not a hair on their head was singed and their clothing was not scorched. They didn't even smell like smoke. Come on, you can't barbecue a hamburger and not smell like smoke. <laughs> you can't cook in your kitchen. Right? Here's the point. When you and I learn how to stand firm, culture can't touch us. The enemy can't have us. 
You won't look like it. You won't even smell like it. There'll be a different aroma about you. People see something different. They'll see God in your home. They'll see God in your company. They'll see God in your family. They'll see God in your situation. Now watch what happens. Then then Nebuchadnezzar, he, he sees all this happen. Now watch, this is an evil, horrible man. But watch what happens. Then Nebuchadnezzar goes, praise God. He gets saved. Praise the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He has sent his angel to rescue him from um, uh, his servants who trusted in him. So he starts praising God. He, he becomes a Christian. And watch what happens. They def- he keeps going. He starts declaring. They defied the king's command and were willing to die rather than serve and worship any God except their own God. Therefore, I make a decree. He's praising God. He's making legislation. He's a Christian. And he goes, I make this decree. If any people, whatever their race or nation or language, speak a word against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they will be torn from limb to limb. How many know he's not a good Christian yet? He's just a Christian. Come on, how many know there's a difference between getting saved and becoming sanctified? Come on, you know what I'm talking about. Come on, how many know that we need to get Nebuchadnezzar into growth track? He needs to get discipled. Can I just throw in there, some of you Christians? Hey, give some people some time. Don't expect them to change immediately. How many know God? Listen, you bring them in, God will, I mean, God will, he'll clean them up. So, anyway, just throwing that out there. He <laughs> says, praise the God of Abraham, I mean, of, of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and everyone needs to worship the same God. Everybody needs to serve the same God, and if they don't, we're going to tear them limb from limb, and their houses will be turned into heaps of rubble. <laughs> it's got a long way to go. <laughs> and now watch what happens. Then the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to even a higher position in the province of Babylon. Standing firm will inspire others. Could there be a Nebuchadnezzar at your job? Could there be a Nebuchadnezzar in your neighborhood? Could there be a Nebuchadnezzar in, in your family? But the only way that they're going to see God is for you to quit tiptoeing around. They're waiting for someone to stand up and walk into the fire and trust in God even if it requires a miracle in the fire. I tell you, when we stand up for something, when we stand up for someone, God will give us a voice in this culture. Anger and rage pointing a finger, being against stuff, you're just going to blend in with everybody else. You're just going to be like this culture. But when we can learn to stand for someone, it's interesting, um, when the boys get back from their ride, some of you know the Ride for Freedom, they've been riding across the country, they're now in Pennsylvania. They've only got about seven days of riding left. They've ridden somewhere around 2,400 miles. A couple weeks ago, I flew out there and I rode with them. We have some footage. In a few weeks, maybe we'll show you. I got on a bike and rode with them. And praise God, I'm glad I'm not on that trip. Amen. <laughs> it was tough. But I did it and went with them. And it was great. But you know what's amazing to me is to see 
just this one thing that three or four young men were willing to do, sacrifice. I mean, they've thrown themselves into the fire, riding 12 hours a day. Yesterday, they rode 100 miles. Tires blow out, fall and crashed. Time's thirsty, haven't had food. Attacked by mosquitoes, climbing massive hills. Not knowing where they're gonna sleep at night. No air conditioning. And it's amazing. No matter where you go, whatever town you're in, whoever you talk to, when they start to tell their story, you can see the, the inspiration that it raises in, in people just for that one thing. In fact, when they get back, they're going to share their story and Tanner's going to share and preach a message and talk about it and give you an update and what God has done. In fact, let me just throw in there, they have been invited to be on the Mike Huckabee Show and uh, we'll tell you all the information about it. It's going to be on their weekend program. They're going to interview them and talk about it. Huckabee does a thing called Huck's Heroes and so they're going to film them riding into the studio and they're going to give their testimony and he's going to share it with his 5 million viewers that, hey, if you want to give to this and raise awareness, man, what would happen if as a church, we quit being against stuff and started being for the Lord and standing up for things that matter. You see, you have a choice. You can either be a voice or you could be an echo. I want to end with this thought. I want to end with this thought. It's a pretty cool thought, though. You know, if you look at the history of the Bible, you look at his history through the parameter of what the Scripture teaches us, here's what it tells us. That that whole time, other than when Jesus came to earth as, his, as God's Son, or a moment of theophany where he came and showed up like he did in the fiery furnace, Jesus has been sitting down. Jesus' posture is sitting. He sits at the right hand of the Father making intercession for us, by the way. So it's not like he's lazy. He's praying for you. He's praying God's will for you. He's praying God's best for you. There's only one time in history where we know that Jesus stands up. And the one time he stands up was when a young man by the name of Stephen began to take a stand began to declare that Jesus is the Messiah, that he is the Son of God, and that he can transform your life. And the world raged against him, and the Jewish nation raged against him to the point that they grabbed stones, and they began to kill him with stones. Imagine that kind of death. And the Bible says as he was at the end of his life, being stoned to death, still proclaiming the love of Jesus, God gave him a vision of heaven, and as he saw heaven, guess what he saw? Jesus was standing. Because here's, I think, the message of the weekend is simply this. When I stand, Jesus stands with me.